We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Light years. Um, Andy Liu is at locations unknown. No, uh, he said it towards me, right? <laughs> yeah, I told him. I told him Aaron was coming on today, and he's like, oh, I can't be on. No, uh, Andy and I are trying to do more pods this year, trying to get one out after every game, uh, which means there'll be occasional pods where he's not on, and there'll also be occasional pods at some point where maybe I have some sort of life commitment ever, which uh, takes me away from it. But with that said. I have Aaron Larswell filling in back by popular request from all the listeners for, can we call this the game of the season so far for the Warriors? I think so. No. Yeah. You definitely can call it the game of the season, but is that actually true? I'm back. But how far down was I on the list of people you had to get at the last minute or was I, am I actually here by popular demand? No, you're back here by popular demand, but I'm not going to stroke your ego anymore. So, All right, cool. I like that. Well, if my head gets any bigger, I won't be able to fit this uh, backwards A's hat that I have on, the Kelly Green A's hat. So, um, Is that like like an eight eight and a quarter, eight and a half? No, no, no. I I don't have that Barry Bonds HGH head. No, absolutely not. This is uh, seven and three eighths. Um, But yeah, no, I think you can absolutely call it uh, the game of the year for multiple reasons, obviously the, the huge comeback, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I think it was interesting and instructive, um, some of the macro changes that we saw uh, Steve Kerr specifically make for, for the second half today. Yeah, I mean, look, anytime Steph goes for 60, it's special, and that was fun against Portland because you started hearing some noise about how the Warriors were not going to be competitive and they're, you know, going to be like the 12th best team in the West or something. But 
for all intents and purposes, the the Clippers are by far the best team that they've beaten this season. Um, right. You know, I still think Portland will end up being a good team, but I don't know anyone who thinks Portland will is favored to be better than the Clippers. And then when you throw in the fact they were down 20, uh, I was ready to pack it in and kind of talk big picture. And, you know, oh, we're, I, have, we're, I have a whole, I have pages of notes about what was, what the problems were when you're like, Hey, will you, will you come pod with me? Of course <laughs> I have pages of notes of what the problems were. So, and then there's like three of so, like, so, hey, this might work. So do we start on Steph or Kelly Oubre? That's the question. No, we start, no, we start on Steph and here's why, because, um, you and, matters, you and I have talked about this. You and I have talked about this online and offline, but um, the only thing that matters is Steph here, really. And um, we've talked both, again, online and offline, about how, how ridiculous the, the conversation about his legacy is. Right. But even after uh, scoring 62 against the Blazers, the Blazers are a decent team. You know, I, a clear I for playoff years. Team. I, well, look, I, I worked there for a long time. So for years, I have been lower on them than um, kind of the consensus because sure. they don't guard, right? And so that was the thing. Even when Steph scored 62, yeah, the Blazers are pretty good, but there was still that one little nagging piece, like, let's see Steph do this. Not, it, I mean, the goalposts change. In all of these macro, like, legacy right. basketball conversations, the goalposts always change, right? Whether it's, well, I mean, mostly it's for LeBron and Steph. The, the goalposts always change. And so the goalpost was, can Steph carry them? And then, and then he, busts, uh, he busts Portland's ass for 62. And then it's, okay, well, can he do it? Not against just a good team, but can he do it against a good defense? And right. frankly, Steph, was, frankly, Steph was, was terrible in the first game against the Clippers. So that kind of lingered. And now even that question has been answered. Can Steph do it against not only a good team, but a really good defense? without help because frankly he didn't have any help today so uh, I think Steph is the place to start yeah and this is another um, kind of big picture thing but I do feel like this whole baseball series where you play the same team two times in a row really Mm -hmm. benefits the Warriors like it's really easy to forget you know they are kind of missing a max player in Clay Thompson like we can you know, lament the roster and kind of criticize it. And there's a lot of mistakes in terms of, you know, I don't know, Jordan Poole, Jacob Evans, who's not in the league anymore. And like yeah, all there's, these there's mistakes. Team, there is team building. There are team building missteps. Sure. But um, at the, on the, on the more basic level, it's like not a lot of teams are really equipped to deal with a, a guy who makes 30% of their cap just to be gone period. So sure. it, it's, it's, it doesn't put them in the greatest position. And with that said, I don't know what else you can ask from Steph here other than, you know, he's, he's playing out of his mind and it, I think this is so probably I do, I, have an, I do have, I do have an answer to that. Go ahead. The thing to accept, to expect from Steph is not a different level of play overall, because overall in total, um, Steph has been everything that you can want Steph to be. Right. Um, it took, it took him a little bit to get used to playing with his guys. It took him a little bit, to still, and I think to, be, still to be expected with the, the layoff. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think the thing to that you can hope from, and and hopefully going forward, expect from Steph, and partially this is on Kerr. Um, I think you can hope and expect him to do what he is doing earlier. He is right. still he is still occasionally deferring to his teammates more than I would like 
to begin games. When he starts hot, he gives confidence to everybody else. It's two, it's two things, really. It's one, it's the confidence he gives to everybody else. When Steph is cooking and the Warriors are playing well, everybody else is not worried. Like today, you know, you get down 12, 14 in the first quarter, and those, shart, those, those shots start getting tighter for, for Wiggins, for Dre, for Wiseman, sure. especially for Oubre. Oubre starts looking down at every corner three he's taking to see if he's behind the line. He's stepping out of bounds all the time. If Steph is cooking early, it gives everybody else confidence. The other thing, and this is what I, what I uh, wrote down, which is one of my notes when they were getting the doors blown off them early, is this team is built to dominate when, I mean, as, as, as much as their talent allows, dominate in the first quarter and third quarters when Steph is playing and then have the second units come in and just tread water. That's how they're built, right? This, you win the Steph minutes, you tread water as best you can in, in and the it's second been the, minutes. And it's been the opposite all year. Correct. And especially today, the second unit was what kept them in the game, and then right. playing Steph with the second unit is what won them the game. Um, so I think Steph needs to keep doing what he's doing, but do it earlier. One, to give confidence to those first unit guys that are struggling. Right. Um, and we'll t- I'm sure we'll talk about how much and where and when Ubre should play. But also, the Warriors need to have leads. If Steph is going to play the first 12 minutes of the game, play the whole first quarter, and then sit out the first six minutes of the second quarter, right. they need to put their best foot forward early. And that requires Steph so that the second unit can just tread water. Absolutely. And so that brings us to probably the most interesting thing in this game beyond, um, you know, Steph being hot and making shots that no other player in the league makes as consistently as him. Um, Steve Kerr made some serious adjustments in terms of rotations in the second half. This is the first game I think he's really gone far off script. He's tweaked things here and there. They have gotten better the whole way through. I mean, Opening night, they looked like the worst team in the league. They probably were at that point. Um, their defense has gotten gradually yeah, yeah, yeah. better as teams gone on. <laughs> they, they looked worse on Christmas. Yes. But not just the first game, the first two games. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they weren't, they, they weren't great the third or fourth either. No. I mean, it's funny. Damian Lee doesn't hit that miracle three at the end of the third game, and God knows where the season is going. But that's a different discussion. We don't need to get there. Um, oh, I'm, still, I'm sending you more texts about the Warriors having the first and fourth pick in the draft. Yeah, <laughs> but um, the adjustment came honestly. Like I guess we got, we should move here. They benched Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre has been a mess. Yeah. He's not this bad. Um, but at a no, certain, but, no, you're but right, right? And you say point, you say this all the time, right? You say this all the time. You're right. He's not this bad, right? You're right. However, in a 72 game season, a compressed season. How long do you have to wait for him to regress to his mean? Right. And then the other thing is, like, this isn't the most talented team in the league. Steph is talented. Draymond, obviously, a good player. But, like, this isn't the 2018-19 Warriors where you have Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and you can afford to play someone with them who's playing awful because the the other guys are just so good they can carry him while that guy figures it out you know you can you can throw a Jordan Bell or a Pat McCaw in there and let them figure everything out like this team kind of needs who they play to be somewhat productive and at a certain point they had to go away from Oubre and I mean it, it made all the difference for Steph tonight more than anything like you could 
we've all seen the screenshots and, you know, just watching the game, you see the Clippers are throwing three to four bodies at them at all times, which they should literally just throw Damian Lee and Mulder out there. It's not like Steph's still not getting multiple bodies, but at least they're capable shot makers and opens things up a little bit. So I think that is, yes. I mean, he did bench uh, Oubre and I am, I am as hard on Steve Kerr as anyone publicly. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, look at my Twitter. I'm pretty hard on Steve Kerr. Right. Um, however, and, and also to be fair, like I'm kind of, I get hard on Steph when I think he's being passive. I thought he was passive again early time, even though, even though, and especially he was shooting well, but I don't think the the change, I don't think he benched Oubre until the second half. And we saw early in their second quarter when the Warriors started chipping away, chipping away, chipping away and got it respectable again to end the second quarter. Right. It was because uh, he played in this, in the last six minutes of the second quarter that Steph always played. Right. Even Draymond wasn't playing with him. He was playing Pascal, he was playing Mulder, he was playing Lee, and he was playing Steph together. And so I think what I have realized, and maybe what Kerr has realized, is that the defense is going to be what it is, right? There, you're going to have some really good stretches of defense. If Dray- Draymond, I think, is probably the best defensive player in the league. Tonight uh, wasn't, tonight he wasn't was, really no, his Dray night. Was, Dray was, Dre was terrible tonight. Like plainly, Dre was terrible tonight. Defensively, but, oh, but and overall, he's been he's been good. But we I think know what he, he is, can do. He is among, if not the best defensive player in the league. He's among. He is probably still the most versatile. Put Anthony Davis up there. Put Giannis up there. Right. Um, and so the defense is kind of going to be what it is. Steph was really bad defensively tonight. Um, in the first half, the whole team was terrible defensively tonight. They gave up a bunch of wide open threes. The rotations were bad. The communication was bad. Um, they didn't look they looked confused offensively and defensively um, uh, can, we, can we talk about that um that one play that's now made its rounds on social media and everyone's seen and it'll be forgotten because they won but when Steph passed to Bazemore and cut to the corner and Ubre oh, yes, had no and, clue what to and do Ubre was standing there yes yeah well, and, and, and that's I... the most that's the most demonstrative I've seen Steph uh, about that in a while because he's a pretty patient man um if for better or worse, he, you know, he's patient. That's why he's a good teammate. It's also kind of why he has these lethargic openings to games sometimes, you know, like he doesn't get on guys after one mistake, but it felt well, like and that the, one. And the last little... time, the last time I was on, we talked about how brain dead it seemed uh, to me, at least um, right. to try to go through these second and third and fourth actions with Steph relocating all over the place that the Warriors have done forever because they don't have the passing or IQ to do it. And even those guys that may have those things have right. you know, played with Steph a game, so it's not going to work. So that was another example of, of that. But um, I, I, I think perhaps, going back to the last point, I think perhaps what I have discovered and what Steve Kerr has discovered is that the defense, you know, he's been saying top 10 defense and we're going to get, get out and run and Steph will carry the offense. I think he may be shifting that to the second unit guys playing with Steph. If we're going to have, if you can have Steph with offensive guys, with guys that are a threat, um, as Mulder is, as Damian Lee is. Pascal. Um, the, the, and Pascal, uh, especially Pascal, again, I mean, he was destroying Zuba. Zuba had right. just can't. Like, that's my guy, right? A Laker, right? He was here for a while. Sure. Right. So that's that's my dude. He's good people, and he's a good player. 
but um, he cannot guard Eric Pascal, especially if Eric Pascal gets a triple threat position. Eric Pascal is going to stand at the three point line or free throw line extended. Like Zoo plainly just can't stay with him. Um, but I think the adjustment that Steve Kerr made in the second quarter, not really benching Ubre. I mean, Ubre wasn't playing and Wiggins wasn't playing either. It was deciding to play Steph with Damian Lee and with Mulder even though those guys are not as good as the guys they're replacing, the fact that they sure. just provide like the minutes that Steph is on the floor, you have to maximize Steph offensively. And the way to do that is give him as much space as possible. And Mulder is not any good. He's not a good basketball player, but he can shoot it a little bit. Right. Right. Lee is better, but he's like, he's a fringe NBA guy. too. There's a reason there are G league guys that, you know, have been bounced around the league. Like they may stick, they may find a role in the league after this, but like, there's a reason that they were there. So I I think the interesting thing to see, and then the flexibility with, of Kerr, you know, Steph plays the whole third quarter and they made that huge run. And then even, even if it was kind of symbolic, just starting him in the fourth again, with that second unit, but not the normal second unit, the offensive second unit, the one with a little as much spacing as Riding the, the hot generate. Hand. Right. Yeah. So I think both of those things were important. And I think, like, frankly, I think it is probably time to. I, I don't know that the Warriors can start uh, Ubre anymore. I think it may be time for Ubre to be the second unit guy. Like, they've tried to have uh, Wiggins be the second unit creator. And I think that Wiggins and Ubre should probably play together as, uh, you know, let, let Wiggins be the second unit creator and let Ubre be the slasher and work on that second stuff because Ubre is destroying the spacing with Steph. So I, it may be time for Ubre to be the six man super sub sub. I would probably start Damian Lee at this point. Um, because you just need more, you need as much spacing as possible. Especially when like, I mean, Draymond does a lot of good things, but provide any sort of shooting or spacing threats. Not one of them. Uh, defenses are going to let Wiggins. I mean, Wiggins is hot right now from three. I I assume he's coming down to earth uh, because I don't think he's a 42% three-point shooter. But, uh, but you know, like defenses are going to be like, hey, if, if Wiggins is going to go five from eight for three, have at it, right? Like in general. So, but he's also the thing. Yes, Wiggins has been making a bunch of threes. But the other thing that Wiggins has been doing well um, has been catching the ball on the move. He's been they've been Kerr's been calling some DHOs for him, getting him going downhill with the high pick and roll game. Whether it's with Wise, even with Steph right. on the floor, whether it's with Wiseman or Draymond or even Looney, whoever, and getting him on the move. He's been doing good job getting in the lane, Euro stepping. Right. Um, so I, you know Wiggins is Wiggins has been fine, um, and I and I think the like theoretically, when Steph is not out there, having Wiggins you know try to cook and do his thing, he's going to take some bad twos. But getting to the rim is sure. probably the best way to keep that offense like <laughs> solvent while Steph is not out there. But that's the thing, as I mentioned earlier in the first quarter and the third quarter, like you have to offensively, you have to dominate or you have to maximize Steph in those minutes and then just let the second unit kind of tread water. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a fundamental shift from what they've been doing to this point. It's been a lot of Steph can make any mashup of offensive limited players playable and to, to degree can like I, you know, there's no point guard who's going to make Ubre 
Wiggins, Draymond, Wiseman together more productive. That does not mean it's still a productive unit. So it's kind of a little bit of a shift there. Um, with that said, I want to. Uh, so you think they should? You think they should officially move Ubre to the bench? Because this is the thing I'm struggling with. I mean, yeah. Um, he's gonna eventually start hitting shots and playing a little better, but even if he starts hitting shots and playing better, it's pretty clear that their starting five is, it's just not the best player combination period. Like even if Ubre starts, go, you know, hitting 33% from three, which is kind of what he is in general. Right. Yeah. It, that's still not good enough. That's still not, um, he's not providing enough in terms of spacing and scoring in well, that role with that. If he's just doing that. So, so they've been starting that way since Draymond came back. They've been starting that way. And, and part of it, part of it today specifically was Draymond was also terrible. Right. Um, but um, I, so they've been starting that way and they've been closing that way when Wiseman is not in foul trouble. Sure. Um, the last few games. And frankly, I think that is the, so th- there's, there's two, like, there are two distinct questions here. I think Ubre is one of their best five players. I think the starting five right. are their best five players. Um, Correct. But with Ubre playing like he is now, he's not one of those guys. And even if Ubre is playing his best, the the sum seems to be less. Uh, the 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 total seems to be less than the sum of the parts with those five, because the way that this team plays best is when they do the best they can do to maximize Steph. That's why they've been so much better when Dre has been back because he is, uh, he is a large part in unlocking Steph offensively. Uh, again, we've, we defensive genius, right? Right. Kelly Oubre's Kelly Oubre has been fine defensively. He's even been good. Sometimes he's pretty good on the ball, hassling people for a little while. He's pretty bad off the ball. Steph is good off the ball. He's pretty bad on the ball. He was, he was asleep all day today on defense. Um, and so I think that, the answer is you have to maximize the team offensively and Steph offensively on the moments he's on the floor. And even if, even, even if Kelly Oubre's, you know, gets back up to shooting 33% and is less hesitant, I'm not sure that he maximizes Steph offensively. And I think even just a, a worse defender, but a better shooter has a better chance of giving Steph more room to operate. So you can see more games like today. So I officially, even though I still think Kelly Oubre is one of their best five players, I think he does not fit well with Steph. And I would, I would try to separate their minutes. Yeah. And you know, maybe, maybe going to the bench, get some going, maybe as a few like seven for 10, 20 points off the bench type of games and obviously gets his confidence back and things make a little more sense for him. Um, But there's a real question, like obviously the money, obviously, you know, the tax implications of bringing him on and the, so the political questions and the psychological questions, like, you know, are you going to need him? Do you lose him if you send him to the bench? Yeah. yeah, That's all fair questions. Yeah. Those are all fair questions. And that is, you know, for all of the shortcomings, I think that Steve Kerr may have and Bob Myers may have managing the people is something I think the two of them do best. Um, So I would trust them in that regard. But again, this is not a, 
talented enough team that you're going to be long-term competing with the Lakers, competing with the, who knows, the Clippers or the Clippers. But like, let's just say the Lakers, competing with the Lakers right now. They can't can't out-talent wins most nights. So they need to kind of Right, and there's only 72 games. And there's only 72 games. So you have less time to kind of like, Like, uh, like you know, you can't give away games in the long term because A, the Warriors aren't good enough for that. And B, the season isn't long enough. And, and yeah, exactly. Like Toronto and Indiana, perfect examples. Those are beatable teams at home, but they're also teams that can beat you by 20 if you don't play the right way. Like Toronto I mean, Toronto's terrible. Toronto is terrible. Tor- Toronto came back 20 and won yeah, by, I, I think, 15 Toronto, tonight. Ter- yes, I, I think they're better than their record is all I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's something wrong there. There is. But you, you and I both agree on this. If you don't show up, they will have a game where they look like their old selves to some degree. They can beat. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah, the Warriors are not good enough to beat even this. Even if Toronto doesn't play well, the Warriors are not good enough to beat them without showing up. The yeah, Warriors I mean, good, the Warriors are not good enough to beat anybody without showing up. That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Maybe some bottom tier teams if it's just Steph, but that's about it. I mean, that's did you? I, I watched them in Detroit. Yeah, the Warriors okay. are not good enough to like. The Warriors can. The Warriors have to. But I think I think the silver lining is that I think they may have figured that out now, and I think the Warriors have figured. It's out. also it's also not a bad thing. It's like all you're saying is like literally they are not good enough to show up and sleepwalk wins. It's not like the worst thing in the world. Like we got. We got five years of watching them sleepwalk wins. That's not normal, you know, in general. Mm-hmm. Most teams ha- most teams are kind of, hey, if you're not going to be locked in, you're going to get beat, and it doesn't matter who your opponent is. The Clippers are a perfect example of that, actually. The Clippers have no business losing to the Warriors tonight. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded the best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line so if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes it's perfectly okay but if it's bothering you there are options go to roman.com slash now with roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. 
getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash light years and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash light years and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll get you your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That is bwhustle.com slash join. Let's talk about them for a quick second here. Uh, Man, you know they were my pick to win the finals last year. That one blew up in my face. Yeah, what, and and when you when we talked about that, what did I tell you? Yeah, okay. So you can you can take your victory lap. Uh, you, you've taken it for months. But anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> so the problem the problem with the Clippers. Uh, so in I I think we knew last year. Obviously, I'm around the Lakers and with the Lakers. Um, sure. And so it seemed like it was Lakers or Clippers last year. That was pretty much because I don't think anybody believed Milwaukee. Um, right. Right. I mean, because, because you, you failed, are you are correct. Everyone was. Everyone was like, which LA team's going to win it all? And then like, you know, everyone else was kind of a second tier contender. And so the, so the problem was there was, and I told you, I thought there was two problems last year with the Clippers. One was I was around the Lakers, travel with the Lakers, all of that. And the Lakers really liked each other and had started playing together. They were both new kind of new teams. They both revamped the roster. And the Clippers. in, In hindsight, the chemistry difference is very obvious. And yes, the Clippers didn't like each other, which we've now learned. I told you the Clippers didn't like each other. But in addition to that, because Paul George was hurt so much, because Kawhi was sitting out so much, they never de- developed a cohesion, right? Um, so part of that was part of that has been maybe alleviated somewhat this year, right? They, they seem to maybe like each other more, but I'm not sure that the cohesion has come together yet. And the Clippers just, they don't know how to play together. And there is just, there is the, the like combination. There is still just something rotten there. Every time I watch them, I just, anytime they get into uh, some sort of downspell, which happens in every NBA game, right? Um, or most, where it's like your shots aren't falling and you're just kind of in one of those three to five minute ruts. They just go one-on-one. There is nothing. Uh, they, 
Like they are yeah, but, so but, but, desperate yeah, but for a point guard. They're so desperate. Yeah, like, you're, you're right. And but that's but that's uh that's who they are. Right. Right. So and they're so like I just I, that's I the it, problem. It, it was occurring to me because it's so easy to get kind of one Kawhi's one of the best isolation scorers in the league, period. Uh, yeah. two Paul George is an incredible tough shot maker. Um, <laughs> right. I was gonna say, like you're like yeah. one one Kawhi is one of the best isolation players in the league. You know, it's like it's him and LeBron and Harden and maybe Steph are like that's the list and 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 oh, KD. and on. then and K oh yeah, KD, yeah, yeah, I forgot about KD. Fine. And and speaking of those guys, Kyrie. But then like yeah. that's the first tier. The second tier, maybe at the top of the second tier is Paul George. Right. right? And, and then probably you can, in the second tier is Lou Williams. Yeah, I was like, going to say, then you could throw, like, they have, like, three of the best, I guess, one-on-one tough shot makers you can possibly have. And I'm sitting here, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, they have no one who knows how to just get an easy basket for their teammates at all. Like, I mean, they are, they, they so badly need, even if he couldn't shoot, even if he can't shoot, I think I heard this, I think I heard you guys talking about this. Maybe it was Rondo. on Twitter, or maybe it was on the show. Yeah, it was like, Rubio, who, yeah. Yeah, it was like who's the worst guy that you could put on the Clippers and like be pretty sure that they would win and the feel title. like that like, takes them to the next level, right? Yeah, yeah, like any any like any even if he can't obviously you'd want somebody that can't shoot, but some somebody that's competent defensively. I have like regular season Rondo. Well, that's I probably shouldn't talk about that. We'll put that aside for now. But like just a competent NBA level point guard to just get other people shots. Right. You like you don't see anything. The only thing you see is is Ibaka just standing in the corner. Right. Uh, right. Zoo is a good offensive player. Like he doesn't touch the ball it, because as for as good as Kawhi and Paul George are offensively, it's not neither one of them. is. They're not is, primary playmakers. Right. They're, not, they're, and not. they're not even they're not even like mediocre passers. Right. That, I mean, it's just it's it's funny because like, you know. They're trying to institute the triangle and it's, it's various triangle sets, which makes all the sense in the world given their roster. Cause like Pat, Pat Beverly is not a point guard and you know, no, but a, but a good catch and shoot, you know, he'll yeah, exactly. It, it, make makes, jump shots. Yeah. it makes all sense in the world to go with some sort of ball movement, like move the ball because there's no one here who's the primary playmaker type of offense. But I still don't know that any of them are good enough passers or think the game ahead. Like they're all guys who are like, I got a, I got a mismatch. I'm going, or I don't have a mismatch. I'm going to work right now. Like I can take him one-on-one. So I think you're 100% right. Um, the triangle and, and the Warriors and fans out there, Warrior listeners will right. know that the Warriors have, they haven't run the triangle, but there's been uh, a lot of components of the triangle and what exactly. the Warriors have done for years. And it's all we've talked about. Are the Warriors good enough at this point for read and react? Um, that's what the triangle is about. It's it's about like occupying certain spaces on the floor, but then using what the defense is doing. It, re- to read it requires everyone to have a, a level of IQ that like we're seeing, like the Ke- Kelly Uber is a prime example of if that was Andre Godala, who's probably a worse player than Uber in 2021. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, if, 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 I mean, I, uh, he signed, he signed for, they make the same money. deal. So right he, now. I know, but, but, but Iggy has another year, right? This is, sure. this is the last year of, of Ubre's deal. And Iggy has another year. If no, if this Iggy is Iggy's last year, actually. 
He signed oh. last year. Yeah, it's a it's a team no, no, option. No, 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 no. He wait. Oh, is it? Yeah. He had two for they, thirty, right? So they, oh, the they next year's a team the, option. Uh, they saved. Technically, it was it. so that they could have cap space. But whatever. got it. Oh uh, yeah, for Giannis. Um. So, whoops. Uh, you're saying you're you're saying that Iggy is a worse player than Ubre. I would trade if I'm the Warriors. I would trade Iggy for. I would trade Ubre for Iggy, without thinking about it. Oh, e- easily. My point. My point was on most teams. Ubre is going to probably do more for you, but if you get on the the Warriors and you're trying to run some of those read and react sets, it's not even a question of what player is going to – and forget the fact that he's played Absolutely. 500 games with Steph. Yeah. Which yeah. player is going to understand concepts of like Steph pass and is cutting, I need yes. to immediately like cut if you have, baseline. If, you, yeah. if I have like Steph and Draymond and we're, doing yeah. a, and we're doing – we're playing a pickup game, I don't – like neither one of them has ever played with Steph before. Yes, I'm taking Iggy. Um, but so going back to the Clippers, so they don't have the guys. It's like similar to the Warriors, right? Like, like Kawhi and PG are. If we're going to compare them to to uh, to Wiggins and Ubre, right? They are both orders of magnitude better than Wiggins and Ubre. Of course, yeah. but they're similar in that they are guys that have physical advantages and use those as opposed to thinking the game as opposed to passing as opposed to cutting as opposed to right. feel stuff like Kawhi doesn't Kawhi doesn't have a great feel for the game he is physically dominant he is an incredible mid-range player he gets wherever he wants he's to amazing go. touch yeah yeah I mean right? it's, like it's I don't know true. that there's anybody other than KD and other than KD I don't know that there's anybody that has better touch you know from like 10 to 16 feet right no, every time it's like elbow it's it's a uh... It's a little like shoulder push and touch shot from twelve, and it's in every time, and you can't guard. But they're not gonna. But they are not. <laughs> they are not guys that are going to. Uh, to that are going to thrive in right. those in those those read and react principles. They don't. Again, the the Clippers like much like the Warriors. The Clippers are more talented, obviously, but they don't have enough passing. IQ. They don't have enough IQ. Like Batum definitely helps, but you know he's not uh he's not LeBron James. He's not going to you know carry the whole team. Is you better leave my man Nick alone. I, yeah. I, I, Nick as a rookie in Portland. You better leave my man alone. I was really can, hoping. I was really hoping the Warriors were going to get him, but you know the minute Clay went down, the odds that they were getting the title chasing vets was gone. So it is what it is. He actually would be perfect for exactly what Steve Kerr wants to run. And maybe, who knows, maybe, maybe next year, maybe if the Warriors have a nice little playoff run and they look like a more attractive title chasing operation with some, I mean, moves. I think, I think next year is, is fascinating for the Warriors. If well, I, I think the Warriors are, if Stephen and Andre, I've said this before on, on your show, if Stephen and Dre are healthy, I think the Warriors are like a six seed probably. Right. Um, the West, as Andy has talked about a lot on this show, I'm, I'm a, an avid listener. Uh, the West is worse than everybody thinks. So maybe the Warriors are a five seed, a six seed, sure. if everybody, if Steph and Dre stay healthy. I tend to, I tend to just think that there's going to be very little separation in that four to ten range in general. Like it's, you know. yeah, it's the Lakers. It's the Lakers, then the Clippers, then Phoenix, and then figure it out. Yeah, I mean, they're, they, I they all have positives and negatives, yeah. I think it's fascinating, um, you know, if if the Warriors are, uh, you know, playoff team and have, you know, whatever, the 18th pick in the draft, and um, 
you know, Minnesota, they get the fourth or fifth or sixth pick from Minnesota. I think it's fascinating next year. You're talking about who, you know, possibly they could come in as vets that can help. Uh, Wiseman and Dre and Clay and Steph and Wiggins, who knows what's going to happen with Oubre. But that's like, uh, that's a pretty good foundation. Do the Warriors want to add two first round picks next year? Do they take those two uh... and... Yeah, Maples Move was them. saying it on our yeah. pod last week, and I think he's right. If their goal is to contend, you can't add two rookies. Yeah, you're to too the young. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know that they're willing to just throw it away for a Robert Covington type of de- like a player who's more likely to help you, but the upside is very low. So anyway, I don't I don't want to get into that. Okay, but, too um, far. Here we go. Yeah, I want to um, track. Let's get a. Let's talk Wiseman real quick while I have you here. Okay. okay. So one, not a great game for him today. No. Um, also, okay, because this is a significantly higher level of competition than a rookie should be expected to compete against. Um, my, my questions for you are, what do you want to see from him as this season goes forward? And what is like a realistic growth prospect for him between year one and two? Because – the reality is he had no summer league. He didn't like in a normal rookie year, he would have been drafted. He'd have got all the fanfare. He'd have gone to summer league. He'd have impressed all the fans by dunking on some six, eight guys. And then he would have worked out with the warriors kind of in the facility for months over the summer with like very specific workouts for what they want to do instead of like, Oh no, we're drafting you and you're coming into, Oh, you got COVID. You can't even out with us at all. So it's like, I mean, I think when you consider all that, he's way ahead of where I would think someone like that would be. But, like, it positions him to maybe take a bigger jump than you would expect going forward. Yeah. Um, much like, you know, we have, like in with college football teams, they always talk about the, the biggest jump in your season is between game one and game two. Right. Um, I, so for – usually for big guys sometimes that happens between year two and year three for for perimeter guys in the nba it's usually between year one and year two Mm -hmm. um he has he's like taken a little step back um the last couple games um i didn't love so i i think part of the pro it's not the problem but part of it's not a problem and it's not a long-term concern but i think one of the reasons he's taken a small step back is since Draymond has been back Mm -hmm. is because he is getting coached very specifically by Draymond and by uh, Kerr during games. He's implementing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's implementing a lot of that stuff and you can generally not today, but generally you'll see him make mistakes in the first half and be better at those same things in the second half. Um, But I, I am starting to see less fluidity in his game and more thinking. Um, and I think he is getting a little bit more anxious and a little bit more frozen. And he doesn't know exactly offensively uh, which shots are his, when to press and when to go get shots and when to hang back and just let it be in the flow. And I see when he doesn't touch it for a while, he says, okay, like I should be getting a bucket here and trying to do that. Um, I've seen him try to be in the last few games, try to be just maintain verticality, which is generally a good thing, but it has led to him being a little passive. And I think there's some shots he could have gotten where he's just trying to stand there and be passive and has still gotten fouls. Um, 
So that has been somewhat of a concern. Um, his hands, frankly, aren't good enough yet. Um, does that concern you? Uh, it does. Th- that, uh, frankly, that's my biggest concern um, because there are for, there are some guys. It is it is a thing. It, it is a thing every, every time he just drop, a rookie every, thing. Every time he drops a pass, I think Festus is Ely. <laughs> which is Perfect. just unfair but Some swag zeely yeah um there so there are two paths there for some guys that is just who they are like festus sure. and it's just not gonna happen right he's, he's not turning some, into um like deandre jordan or someone with hands and there are some guys who that's just there are a million things happening at a speed they're not accustomed to and the last thing to come around is their hands right but, it does. So it is, that is my biggest concern with him, but I, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that that is going to be a concern long-term. Um, so yeah, that is, that is a concern, but to answer your question, what I would like to see even going forward this year and then into year two, like let's see the hands tighten up a little bit. Right. Um, I want to see him play with force more often. Um, because there are moments where he plays with force and that's going to come with getting more comfortable, sure. not thinking so much, not having Dre telling him all the time, do this, not having Ron Adams telling him all the time, not having Steve Kurt, just when he gets more comfortable with the rotations where he's supposed to be all of that. Um, so those, those are the main things. Um, I would like, to, I would also like to see, I think he's a capable shooter. Um, but I want to see, I want them to be threes and not foot on the line twos. He's, um, it is like, interesting like little since, stuff. since Draymond came back, he stopped taking threes. Um, and it's been a lot of Draymond at the top of the key and him down low. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, I, I get it. They want to make him a lob threat and um, play that way. But also that feels kind of selfish for Draymond instead of like, there is value in just having him stand at the top of the key and shoot threes and maybe keep the lane a little open because Steph, is still one of the best players, at least for guards, at driving and finishing around the rims. And that's always a positive if you can get Steph in the lane because he's seeming to get those superstar calls this year that he didn't get in the past. Maybe sometimes, he's just, yeah. Sometimes. He's hunting it. He's, maybe he's hunting it a little more. He is hunting him, yeah. Yeah. Look like LeBron, LeBron, needs, LeBron needs to get in a knife fight. in the And Steph has been like that, too. LeBron needs to get in a knife fight before they call a foul for him. But Steph has been like that, too. The last few games have been better. But that, that it reminds me of one of the other things. I, I've noted, not today specifically so much, mm-hmm. but when, um, when Wiseman sets that high screen, first of all, he's got to stay still because he and, and Looney and Oubre right. and a few <laughs> other guys, the Warriors have been called for 100 moving screens so far this year. But I, I think Wiseman needs to be a little bit more decisive about is he going to pop or is he going to roll? Sure. Because he's been, he's been late on a lot of his dives to the rim um, when there were some lanes open for lobs. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we, we've, you and I have talked about this before, Steph and Dre, uh, you know, running that high pick and roll with, uh, with him in the dunker spot is going to be, it should be pretty devastating also. So, you know, kind of figuring that out. Wiseman has, he has not been good the last week and a half. Um, but you know how I feel about him. I, I, I think he has hall of fame i think he i think he can be a hall of famer and i think he will be at least a multiple time all-star yeah actually i want to let's one last thing before we get out of here let's okay? get it let's get it Warriors are five and four yeah had a disgusting start to the season 
have had a pretty solid season, in my opinion, since then, uh, all things considered. Where are you with this team? Where do you think they're headed? Um, so I think long-term, I, I think the prognosis long-term is better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, we don't know who knows about clay, but if clay is, you know, like 80% clay, um, sure. I think there's a lot to like about the Warriors going forward and the possibility of kind of threading the needle of rebuilding without having to be bad bottom out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, last year, I guess was bottoming out, but the transition into from a Steph clay and Draymond led team into a team where those guys are complementary pieces. Um, I think there's a good chance of threading the needle here and really upgrading the talent. Um, And I think we have now seen that I, I, maybe there's still a question a little bit here and there about Draymond, but I think we have seen, there was some question about Steph, like can Steph, is Steph still Steph? And I think that that question has been answered. Um, So I think the law, I am more positive on the long-term prognosis for the team um, than I was coming into the year. Um, Especially because, I mean, I figured that Minnesota was going to be terrible and Minnesota is terrible. Um, But as I, I and so I guess I would say I am slightly um, more. Which one is, is which one is is positive? Is bullish? Bullish is positive. Bullish, right? yeah, yeah. So I'm slightly more bullish on the team this year for some of the same reasons because I mean, like I, I figured this. I kind of saw this with Wiseman, but Steph has been as good as he looks like Steph, right? He, he's, yeah, yeah. he is Steph still. Um, and the flexibility, especially today that we've seen from Kerr right. makes me more bullish on the team this year. I thought that they were going to be a six or seven seed ish coming into the year. If the guys stayed healthy, I bumped that up to a five or six seed if they're healthy. So I am slightly more bullish because one, the West isn't as good. Andy's right. The West isn't as good as I thought. And um, I have seen enough from Steph to say, yeah, like Steph is still that dude. All right. We'll leave it there. So all about you. No, no, you don't get to, what about you? It's your show. Okay. Where am I with them? I'm at the same place. I feel pretty good about this team. I do think their lack of depth is going to cost them games at some point in the season. Um, And I think that's going to be the bigger reason they're going to be in that six to eight range than overall talent. But I think they, if they run into the right matchup, they can absolutely win in the first round, make a little noise. And for me, if they make a little noise in the first round and get to the second round, that'll do more for them in terms of, their ability to retool next summer than anything else. Like the biggest reason I was opposed to tanking with this roster was like, all right, you want to shut stuff down for a second year in a row. Like you're now just a joke of a franchise. No one's going to, no one's like, no one's thinking about, you know, like I want to play with that guy. If you think Steph is still one of those three to four dudes who really matter in the league, he kind of has to show it. And the only way to show it is by taking a team to the playoffs and making a little noise there. And then, as you said, you know, Wiseman clearly looks like a hit. Like, we can debate his upside, but he can play. He looks like a 
player that has value in the league. Um, yes. Clay will come back. They have the Wolves pick. There's some interesting options here for them to get back into contending as soon as next year. So for me, it's like enjoy this year, make the playoffs, make some noise, and then go from there. So, I, again, you know this. Um, <laughs> I grew up a Warriors fan. Uh, sure. Now working in the NBA and all that, like you kind of take a step back from that. Um, a few years back, when uh, in the in the seventy three win uh, season, sure. it it Warriors games were like college football games for me, where it was like if the Warriors lost, it stuck with me, right? So you, right, like, you right. watch every it's an appointment. You watch every game, and if the Warriors lose, it like sticks with you for a while until sure. they can win again, like like college football for me at least. Um, and the last few years, even with KD, partially probably because, you know, I'm back working in the NBA. And so that fandom kind of fades back. But also because it felt like the Warriors weren't, didn't really care. And they were going to win a, a million games, but they didn't really care. No, they, were just, they were just trying to get to, right. to May Healthy. So this feels, maybe because they have to press, because they aren't that talented, it feels, and still, right? Like I'm probably, I don't know about more focused, but I'm definitely focused on the Lakers. but like watching Warriors games is a lot of fun again, partially because they feel like they have to press partially because you can kind of like pretend it's, we believe again. And, and you know, they're the underdog story, but it is like watching, watching Steph Curry have to try to go into human torch mode regularly is, is fun. I, I feel bad for the NBA in total. I feel bad for, uh, the TV networks, but I feel bad specifically for for Warriors fans and Steph that that the Warriors fans are not getting to enjoy the kind of moments and the runs like we saw tonight, like we saw against Portland, 60, 62 points. Because look, I've I've literally been to every NBA arena, and there is nothing like at Oracle. There was nothing like when Steph would get on a run, like what that building sounded like. Um, And so, and so I feel bad for Warriors fans that they don't get to experience that because I think Warriors fans, you know, even, even the the ones from like South San Francisco that, that got priced out of, uh, got priced out of Oracle, right. The ones that go back 30 years. um, I feel bad for them because there was nothing like Steph getting on one of those runs and having it just exploded. And And that's, and that's, if nothing else, it's fun again. And that's the other thing. Um, I was saving this take, but it's kind of like um, we still haven't got to experience what Chase is like when the Warriors are relevant. You know, right. last year, um, Steph plays three games and then breaks his hand. Uh, obviously, the pandemic hits, so <laughs> there's no fans. So it's like everyone asks me, what's Chase like? I'm like, it's a nice building, uh, but I need to see relevant basketball in there to, like, understand what kind of soul it has, what it feels like. I don't expect it to be Oracle. Oracle just, like you said, it's, you can't. There was, there was nothing like it. You can't quantify it. There was was literally nothing like it in the NBA. And again, I've been everywhere. There are great fans in Portland. That building gets loud. There are great fans at Staples. When the Lakers are going, that building gets loud. loud. Um, Portland got really loud. OKC gets really loud when the Thunder are good. Utah gets loud when they're going on a run, but there is nothing like, and Portland, I mentioned Portland was like that. There is now I've been, I don't know, 200 games at Oracle, maybe, maybe more than that. 
there, and I've been to literally every building currently in the NBA, there is nothing like Oracle when Steph got going. And I suspect that because even in the later years of Oracle, it had gotten kind of corporate. Oh, so I sus- yes. The the biggest myth is everyone got priced out by moving to Chase. Everyone got priced out when they won Before, 73 right. games. Right. There, I mean, <laughs> there were still some of the legacies up in the 300. I told sure. you the, 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 South, the South San Francisco. Uh, yeah, Shout out uh, Daily uh, City. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to make any sort of uh, demographic distinctions for such things, but those things exist. But I suspect, I mean, even in Oracle, I went to um, – my last game at Oracle, I went to game one of the games. I want to say game two of the Houston series uh, was okay. the last game I went to at Oracle. And it got cracking, right? It, it got going. Um, and there is there was nothing like Oracle. And I suspect Chase is going to be like that too. So I'm kind of sad for... Um, when it's fun again, right? When it's like not last year, because look, frankly, comparing this Warriors team to last year's Warriors team, if we want to say, oh, can can Steph carry that team to the play? Okay, well, this team is a lot more talented than that team, even if Steph had stayed healthy, right? It was right. Steph and Dre and like, eh, right? Like whatever, Oubre's been terrible, Wiggins, fine. But like this team, Wiseman, this team is more talented. Bay's more, this team is more talented than that team. So... I feel bad for Warriors fans that they're not getting to see, uh, you know, Lake would be fine. He's got plenty of money. But I feel, <laughs> so I don't feel bad for him that he's not getting, but I feel bad for Warriors fans that they're not getting to experience uh, Steph doing this at, at Chase. Well, we'll see what happens by the time the playoffs come around. Maybe we'll get a little run, maybe not. Who knows? But appreciate you stopping by. Hopefully, Anytime, brother. we'll keep going.